Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX, the show that is leveling up your personality. Today on the show, we're talking all about what you can actually use Myers-Briggs for, or really what you can use any semblance of personal development for. Really, we're talking about the nuances of like how I've been using it throughout my life. Um, really, the last year has been um, a major use of it for me, a major shift in utilizing it and understanding it. And for me, there's a couple of different angles that I want to speak to it from, um, specifically relationships, mental health, and career focus and career path and, and how to connect with people. I think those are the the main things that I want to discuss in this episode, and uh, it's all kind of in relation to my growth and what I've been using Myers-Briggs for and how you can sort of start to take it and utilize it in those ways to help you connect with people. So uh, without further ado, let's hit the button and do the thing on Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Let's go. Okay. All right, everyone. Welcome to the show. Hope you guys are doing well. Happy Monday, because I'm releasing these on Mondays. And happy December. So finally getting ahead of recording these episodes, which is great. So I record a week ahead, and I can kind of breathe a little bit. <laughs> because usually, like, Monday comes, and I'm like, oh, I did another episode. And uh, that's not a good feeling, a feeling like you have to, like, rush and, you know, do things when you don't want to do things, right? So that's that's part of where I'm where I'm at with this podcast. But uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to this. I really appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, we're getting a decent amount of listens per episode. So I know that you guys are really interested in personality development. And I know a lot of people are really interested in typology because it helps them in business. It helps them in relationships. And it helps you understand yourself. For me, it's also helped me understand myself in relation to my mental health. And that has been a big part of my journey over the past year was really understanding myself as an INTP and all of the social challenges that ha- that comes from that or has come from that throughout my life in relation to you know being uh, mentally ill in in a lot of ways. Uh, I have cyclothymia, which is a low-grade bipolar disorder, and I also have just recently figured out that I have ADHD. And um, some of the challenges are also accepting that these things are real things and they're physiological things. And they're not just me being a dramatic INTP, right? <laughs> because I think a lot of INTPs have mislabeled themselves as mentally ill because of their personality type in relation to society, or that they have been misdiagnosed as having Asperger's or um, autism or ADHD or something like that, right? And the, the challenge for me has been, particularly with the ADHD aspect recently, has been understanding my personality type in relation to like, what are some of the symptoms that are being misdiagnosed in other people versus what are some of the physiological symptoms that I experience? And the physiological experience, symptoms that I experience are a lot of um, restlessness, a lot of tapping. I need to draw typically in order to listen and pay attention. And, um, I can't read fiction, 
because it's not uh, that's where like the lines cross a little bit because it's a lot of fiction is not very interesting to me, but, but I also, when I start reading fiction, my mind wanders really easily. So I need some other way to absorb everything. There's an example of like when I was in high school, my English teacher in junior year of high school was reading, we're basically reading a book all the way through um, the semester. Basically the whole semester was just like the teacher would just read a chapter per class and we'd have to like take notes. And I didn't really take notes. I just drew the whole time. And by drawing, I absorbed every little detail about the book. And by the end of the semester, my teacher noticed this and he made comments about it typically like, Hey, you need to take notes and not just draw. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And, um, by the end of the semester, we were supposed to write up a, um, sort of a, a, a summary, a breakdown of the book, you know, write about the setting and the plot and the characters and basically list it all out and break it all down. And I did that with no problem. Like I didn't even bring any books to school cause I forgot there was a test and um, I had to borrow a pencil and I had to borrow a piece of paper. I had to borrow multiple sheets of paper from someone in order to do the test, uh, to do this essay, basically. It was like a multi-page essay of basically just writing everything that you can around the book. So I uh, I did the whole thing, and the next week I got the test back, and I got a 95, and he, he pulled me aside, and he was like, I only gave you a 95 because this is college-level writing, and I just don't fully believe that you did it. <laughs> I was like, what? It was, it was really strange. Um, but, you know, point is that like my actually drawing and focusing that way helped me to absorb the information as information and be able to sort of share that in my writing when I gave it back to him later in the year. And I've had conversely had other issues where I haven't been able to draw or the, the teacher told me to like focus or made me sit up front or, you know, basically sit and pay attention. And like, I could totally look like I'm paying attention and my brain is just somewhere else. And, um, that's, that's a real challenge. And I know some INTPs do experience that. Um, but again, it's like a physiological difference that, uh, that, that really makes the difference between having ADHD and, um, you know, having just being, you know, inattentive, um, generally. And an, another example of that too, is that sometimes when I'm talking, which happened when I started recording this episode a little earlier, like I started to make a point about something and I totally lost it and it just disappears from my brain. Uh, sometimes when I'm writing also, when I'm typing, for example, I will skip words and not realize it and, uh, have to go back and fix it. Or I think it's perfectly fine. And then I go back later and like my girlfriend or someone will tell me like that made zero sense <laughs> or like you're missing a lot of words. And I'm like, what is what? I swear I had everything. Um, so it, it's just, it's a little maddening to, to experience. Um, but point is that like, not only just with ADHD, but for with um, my cyclothymia, which is a low grade bipolar disorder, I've had to reconcile and try to figure out like what aspects of reality, what aspects of my relationships with my jobs, which things like that, which of these things are because my cyclothymia, because of my mental illness and I'm not taking care of it properly uh, are causing issues and which issues are stemmed from me just being an INTP and, you know, not connecting socially. Um, 
accurate, uh, effectively, really. And, um, you know, over time, I've been learning some of the key differences that has allowed me to sort of move forward. And I think when anyone is starting to learn about typology or personal development in any kind of way, it's about sort of separating the past from the present and future in a way, right? Like typology is a way for you to understand today in relation to how you're going to move forward, right? Who you are, what is your subconscious brain wiring so that you can determine the best path forward. And because typology is not going to undo the past, it can help you understand the past, but it's not going to be therapy. It's not going to break down and explain the reasons why you've done something. It can give you some, well, it can explain some reasons, but it cannot, it can't undo it. And, um, it cannot, it cannot take trauma into account trauma and all sorts of other psychological issues that you may be facing or biases that have been put upon you throughout your life are going to be things that need to be considered in a different framework, you know, like going to therapy or reconciling conflict with, you know, family in some sort of way, right? Your typology is not going to be the thing that necessarily fixes that. It can help you again, understand some elements of the past, but depending on your personality type, you may have a better relationship with your past than, you know, other types uh, or your ability to go back into the specifics or the way, you know, the past feelings or whatever, and effectively be able to pull that out and use it. So it's really going to be, um, it's highly individualized. And, um, that's another challenge of typology is understanding it's getting to the point where you're understanding the individualistic aspect of it. And I think that's why a lot of people are turned off by Myers-Briggs, at least on the surface level, because they feel like it puts them in a box or it generalizes them, which is why I also think that people like to skip to the Enneagram, basically, because people like to try to go from Myers-Briggs and they try to learn about shadow functions, which are useless, don't go to shadow functions, and then they try to immediately jump to Enneagram without fully understanding the cognitive functions of their personality type, how it relates to their life, how they can move forward, how they actually think, and um, try to skip ahead to something that is not fully, that is more relevant to today and the bias that's stacked upon them versus the surface level cognitive functions that, um, that basically the universe or Buddha or God or Allah or, I don't know, Homer Simpson gave us and build and understand how our life has been built upon that. Right. It's like understanding cognitive functions and your base level wiring is like understanding what is inside of a really delicious cake. And when you jump ahead to like Enneagram or try to look at shadow functions or whatever, you're trying to typically jump ahead and try to look at the frosting and you're only seeing what's on the surface. You're trying to understand what's there. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to discount the notion that some people need to go that path. Like sometimes you need to address Enneagram to look at like, okay, what is this? What is this subconscious passion that I have going on right now? What is the thing that is consistently sort of uh, occupying my focus for me? It's uh, I'm an Enneagram seven. So it's like this semblance of gluttony and over, over uh, indulgence and you know, if I were to start to look at that, that can help me see, realize like, okay, that is in relation to my cyclothymia. That's in relation to my mania. That is in relation to uh, some work that I still need to do with my extroverted intuition. So connecting the dots is certainly helpful if you start to think about yourself in a highly individualistic way. But 
You don't even necessarily need to go there yet until you start to learn about your dominant and secondary cognitive functions and how they are playing together and how those brain wirings, those subconscious brain wirings are, you know, in, in helping you move forward every single day. Right. Um, so really diving into the nuances of those things can really be helpful for when you eventually do go into Enneagram and know how the things interconnect and interlock. Because again, like the cognitive functions are not great in a vacuum without considering your bias. And the same thing with Enneagram. Enneagram is really not that helpful if you don't understand like your Myers-Briggs type and all of the details there, right? I, I personally don't think it's that helpful, but hey, if you if it works for you, then great. Um, but that's, that's my perspective on that. Um, point is that a lot of people jump into Myers-Briggs and I've done it too. My partner and I have done that to understand our types together and understand our relationship. And one of the things that I'm really weary of, and I hope many people are weary of, is that Myers-Briggs can be used as an excuse to place prejudice upon other people, other personality types, or in, in any capacity particularly in relationships. And I have a full episode on that in the past. If you want to look that up um, about romantic relationships where people can go into a place where we can make an assertion or assumption about a personality type and avoid them altogether because of maybe a bad experience we've had, or we read a loose uh, interpretation of a type, or we read an article that said that we should find an INFJ. So you start looking for INFJs and then you realize, oh, this INFJ is terrible. And this one person's a bad experience. And then you shut off INFJs altogether. And that's just, no. Like point is about all of this is that Myers-Briggs, even though it can feel like it puts you in a box, it's highly individualized. Like you still use it as a framework to get to know people. It's not an excuse to like stop and just accept what is given to you, right? It is not, it is not something that is just that is just telling you how to be a person. It is telling you in a lot of ways what you are, but also giving you a framework of like, it's basically defining what that base layer of cake is for you, right? It's understands it's defining your batter and then you get to add the toppings on top of it. And it's the same thing with other people, right? Like if you get to know their base wiring, great. Maybe you'll be turned off by the general notion of someone's base wiring, but that those toppings on top may make the ta- the cake taste delicious. That sounds sexy. <laughs> um, but you know that's what I'm saying. Like if you have, if you read about ESTPs or something, and you are naturally turned off by that notion of someone being very like, you know, louder and extroverted and judgy and opinionated and you know, and all that stuff. Like, first of all, you may be reading about an unhealthy version of that personality type, and you may be, you know, reading about someone's bias in relation to that personality type. So if you're just taking what someone is saying at face value and not actually like applying personal experience to it, then you're robbing yourself of a full human experience. (sighs) And, (laughs) uh, you know, it's important to allow yourself to experience things and experience it for yourself. You know, again, like Myers-Briggs has helped me to understand people. 
And that's been the beauty of it for me in the last year. It's helped me to understand my partner more, her as an ENFP, and being able to learn how to adjust, understand what introverted feeling and understand how that applies to her. Because introverted feeling is going to show up for different people in different ways. Same thing for me with my introverted thinking. Like a lot of people can be predictable um, or they can look at me and they can be like, oh, you're an INTP. So you're just going to be another one, a person that's just going to be using extroverted intuition to just like talk about all these different ideas and you're going to be really annoying and blah, 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 blah. And um, I don't appreciate that. And I don't think anyone appreciates that. I don't think anyone appreciates generalization like that. So I think being able to use this in especially if you're someone that's going to be a coach or a teacher and you're trying to use this as a means to connect with people and help them grow to generalize or to teach them to generalize. is just not going to be helpful to anyone's experience. Like that's not going to be, that's the, that's like the problem with a lot of things that are going on in the world is we generalize too much and you know, it's really hard to hate people up close. It really, really is. So for me to understand my partner and drill into her personality has allowed me to really understand the depths of who she is as a person and re- respect her individually. Because even at times I've gone too far when I've tried to like use typology to help her and she's just frustrated and she's just like, stop typing me. I'm a person. I am not a type. And you know, it's important in both ways to understand who you are. And then when you're referring to other people to make sure that you are listening to them and you are listening to who they are and not just listening for the thing that they are doing that exemplifies their type. Right. And that becomes a challenge, uh, uh, to do that effectively. Um, but it takes practice. It takes time. And I think if we can scrutinize ourselves, and look to how this helps us individually. Again, me with my mental health issues, um, thinking about how this affects my relationship and how it affects my career and workplace stuff. Like I've been learning over time that my father is an ESFJ, most likely, and he's someone that he's very good at being personable business-wise. He likes to go see all of his clients. He likes to get to know them. He knows what's going on with their lives and he's always telling me about it and he cares about them. He's had situations where like two clients were like opposing each other. And he was like, you know what? I I have to stick with one for the sake of both relationships and things like that. Like he's fine. He'll leave money on the table for the sake of making sure that everyone is happy and taken care of. And I've always, I've never been able to really do that, but I learned from him some of those ways. And I I realized this year that in a lot of ways I was trying to emulate that, or I was trying to emulate other people or emulate styles of business that were in relation to other personality types. And I wasn't fully listening to who I am as a person, really listening to like, what is the value of me as an introverted thinker? What is the value of me as an extroverted intuitive? What are these things that I bring to the world that I can start to uh, to really hone and and own who I am as an individual. In my past with my ex-wife, you know, I handled, she was an ISFJ most likely, um, is, she's not dead. And um, <laughs> she's an ISFJ and likely, you know, I, from what I ascertained what was going on, oh, I dropped the thing, Ugh, my fidgeter, <laughs> grab another thing to fidget um, and try not to make noise. <laughs> um what I was trying to essentially, uh, uh, what, what I ascertained from that marriage is 
there were a lot of situations where I would be exerting both in my introverted thinking and my intuition. And it would typically be stifled by her and the family situation and what was going on uh, in, in my life. And I wasn't really able to own who I was. I was often made fun of for the certain, some things that I liked or the way that I thought or the, the ways that I expressed myself. And, um, eventually led to this place where like, once I started to really lean into my personality, that's when it started to affect the marriage. And if being yourself is going to have a negative impact on the world around you, like the world around you is what's really got to change or rather your stance in that world around you. Like you can't make other people change, but you can change your position within that meaning you can leave. (laughs) And, um, you know, so you, you have autonomy in your life. You can make changes. You can totally do new things. And that really was the beginning for me towards the end of that marriage and starting to learn that, um, by leaning into my personality, better things can happen, like using rational thought to make decisions and judgments and do the things that I want to do. And, um, you know, not just feel like I'm at the wind, the whim of life that's happening to me, that I have control, that I can make things happen, that I can be a thinker and people can evaluate, can value and appreciate that. That's why I have this podcast because this allows me to be an introverted thinker to its utmost extent. And I love being that. And I love sharing that. And I love that people are listening to it. And I hope you guys appreciate it because I'm going to keep doing it. So I do it for this podcast, but it started last year at the beginning of January 2016 or 2018 rather. Um, where I was, um, I had my mental health podcast and I rebranded it to a show called Dopamine, dopamine.life. If you want to check that out, D O P E A M I N E.life, you can check out that show. That is basically where I started to express myself and my path and my growth and my changes and um, learning, sharing the fact that I was learning Myers Briggs, that I was learning Enneagrams, I was learning all this other stuff that was going to give me all of this all of these props as to where to go in life. And for me, it's been incredibly helpful to be able to utilize this in, in such a, such a way that allows me to fully be who I am and appreciate and express who I am. So I'm grateful to Myers-Briggs type indicator for that, for uh, Carl Jung and the functions and Enneagram, even though I haven't fully dove into Enneagram as deep as I would eventually like to, um, I'm grateful for Personality Hacker because their podcast has been absolutely amazing for me to be able to like learn a lot of this stuff on my own and really think about it. Um, but I'm grateful for myself and my partner for being able to help me adapt to uh, adapt my life to what I actually want. My branding reflects what I want in terms of Super Myers-Briggs, in terms of my personal branding, and then in terms of dopamine. It all looks and feels like me, and I've been able to fully express who I am And I've had people buy my courses. I've had people be able to start to respect and appreciate who I am as a result of being who I am with this beacon of wanting to help people and being a part of this, right? That beacon being my extrovert feeling, my inferior function. And, you know, that's going to look different for different people. And um, essentially, I think the goal here is to sort of share with you that, you know, understanding your individual story and really applying all of these little details to what your narrative is and what your personality type is and, um, you know, examining your past or your present and then trying to figure out where to go with your future is, is going to help you move 
in a right in the right direction in a way that feels incredible. You know, there's still things in my life that I'm not quite I haven't quite figured out yet. Like there's a ton of things that I'm still using typology all the time to make sure that I'm on the right path, to make sure that I'm checking in with myself, to make sure that I'm sticking to my dominant strength and being able to learn, but also getting out more with my extroverted intuition, which is something that is definitely missing in my life lately. Like I'm happy, but I'm still not satisfied. Like I'm happy with my relationship. I love my apartment. I love the fact that I can express myself in a way that I haven't been able to in the past. I love that I can make this podcast. I love that there's so much that I can do that wasn't possible in the past because of like my environment or other stressors that were going on. So all of this is still a continued growth and transition and feels amazing to me to be able to do this through typology, to be able to help people and um, have people take the course and listen to this podcast, or even just talk to me on Twitter about this stuff. Uh, And it's just a lot of fun to keep doing. So um, point is, I appreciate you guys for listening, for being here, uh, for being a part of this, for for taking the reins and taking responsibility for your own personal development and your own personal growth. Because um, I want to continue to surround myself with those people as well, people who are learning. And my goal, one of my goals, is to be able to meet anyone at their at whatever stage of development they're in and have effective conversations to help them grow to uh, to do one on one coaching with people, to have people buy the courses to have people talk to me on Twitter, to ask questions and we can keep the dialogue going. I eventually would love to do in-person stuff the way that like personality hacker does with their profile or training and stuff like that. Like, I think that would be amazing. That's, that's one of the ideal lives that I have in mind. <laughs> one of the ideal lives that I have in mind is like going to different cities and helping people learn and develop and grow in whatever ways suits the context. So that's it. That's everything for this episode. I hope all of that made sense. (laughs) Um, you know, and I just wanted to share a little bit of my personal story, how I've been using typology as I go forward and how you can start to think about it as something that is expansive and not just something that's going to put you into a box. So let me know if you have any questions. You can hit me up at anchor.fm slash super MBTI, or you can hit me up on Twitter at super MBTI. That's probably the place where I'll be able to communicate with you the best. And um, if you want to learn about Myers-Briggs and you're not really, you're still kind of at the beginning of this and you want to learn a little bit more, you can go to supermbti.training, sign up for the free course there, which is a audio course. So you can download the, uh, the audio segments and listen to them on the go and do all that stuff. Um, and then come back here and, you know, message me. And if you want to work together one-on-one, we can absolutely do that. There's also an advanced course and I'll be working on other individual courses in the future for all that stuff. And then all of this translates, and I guess this is a good way to end it. All of this translates into, I'm applying Myers-Briggs to other aspects of development as well for other people. So I'm applying this to my marketing course that I'm working on called Brand Blaster, which is all about helping people construct their own personal development team. It's about uh, thinking about your four main characters as your personality, branding, marketing, and sales. And the personality aspect and the branding is really utilizing Myers-Briggs to help people really learn about their subconscious brain wiring, learn about what their preferences are and how to apply that to brand. And um, that's one of the ways that I'm really trying to apply this knowledge in a, a practical sense, other than just this podcast and these courses. Uh, but I translate that into like helping people everywhere that I go as best as I can. So 
Um, that's it. That's everything for, for this episode. Uh, let me know what you think. If you leave a rating and review, I would absolutely love it and appreciate it. That would be absolutely amazing. Thank you for so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And uh, I'll catch you next time on Super Myers Briggs Turbo EX. See ya. Where's the button? Oh, where's my mouse? Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. We're going to help you with Myers-Briggs and all that fun stuff. And uh, if you want to jump straight into the advanced course, go to supermbti.training. You want to check out my other shows, go to dopamine.life for mental, my mental health podcast. And you can go to cnote.show to check out the media podcast. So if you love this show, go to anchor.fm slash supermbti and leave some love, leave a review, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. And uh, most of all, thank you. Thank you for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Okay.